0: From the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. What is an altar?
1: An altar in the Bible is made of earth, like ground, real mud, or unshaped stone. So you go and carry a piece of stone. This stone will not be chiseled in a you know it won't be it won't be marble sliced. It won't be anything like that. It won't be. Caught like rocks. It won't be anything. It will be stones. It shows that God does not need human effort in building the altar as the earth is. That's actually what God wants to use. And then it's erected in conspicuous place. It's not hidden. An altar is never what? Hidden. It's always out in the open. An altar is a declaration It's a statement that I want to allow God to take over this space. An altar is a big, bold, upfront statement. It's never, ever hidden. And everyone who walked with God in the Old Testament, almost all of them built altars. Noah built an altar. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Samuel many of the prophets of old and even people whose, whose names were not mentioned here built altars until the temple was built of Solomon which became the main altar and the place from where people worship. Even Moses in Tabernacle had a Tabernacle of meeting where there was an altar. Now, God is saying to us that revival time is here. God is saying to us that This is the time of the outpouring. We had it last Sunday. And I thought at the end of last Sunday service that definitely we have not finished preaching about outpouring. So on Monday morning while we're praying, I said to Pastor Fred, the title of next Sunday's message, I've got it, is outpouring. But by Wednesday, the Holy Spirit said to me, are you ready for the outpouring? You know when the Holy Spirit starts asking you that kind of question, you know where he's headed. Are you really ready for an outpouring? I said, sir what do you what what must we do (laughs) what must we do then he said let's make a new deal ask the people to come and make a deal with me ask my people to do what to make a new deal with me Do you guys understand this God is inviting you to make a deal That is the altar. The altar is a place of holy transactions. So, what happens at the altar, number one, is priesthood. The place where priests access God. So, on that altar, there will be priesthood. And God has decided, in those days, that the people he calls, he gave them a priesthood grace. So Noah didn't have to be a priest to offer sacrifice. He was already a priest by virtue of God's call upon his life. And what does priesthood do? It makes you to stand between heaven and earth. Between God and man. The altar is also a place of covenant where there's an exchange. You take heavenly things and offer it to heaven and heaven takes heavenly things and offers it to you. The altar is a place of what? Exchange. The altar is a place of mandate where people begin to receive new assignments. They receive strength for what they are going to do. The altar is a place for remembrance. A place where you set a stone to remember and it's a place for momentum, fire, for grace, for insight, for advancement. That's these are the things that happened on the altar. Let's take the first altar, Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 to 15. Let's read this together. One, two, go. To Abraham after Lord has separated from him. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are: northward, southward eastward and westward for all the land which you see I gave to you and your descendants forever. Next slide. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth then your descendants could be numbered. Arise walk in the land through its length and its width for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Guess where Abraham built this altar? Hebron. Terebinth tree, which is in Mamre. Hebron. Altars are used to found a new city. In this story, the altar of Abraham was actually about his separation from Lot. Abraham had built three altars before this time. This was his fourth number. No, this was his number three altar. He had built two altars before. The fourth one was the altar where he went to sacrifice his son. So, after Abraham separated from Lot, Abraham was grieving because Lot has robbed him of the wrong way. We read about this uh, in our prayer meeting on Friday, right? I gave some inside expert to the people who prayed with me on Friday. So if you want to be coming to prayer meeting, just just message me. I'll be inviting you. We have some secret prayer meetings, not so secret, just for people who who really want to pray. So we don't want anyone who come there and then you give us body pains. You know, you know when you finish praying with some people, it's as if they have finished beating you. You go home tired. Because the people did not yield and did not connect to the parameter. But when you pray with some people, they'll just charge you up. By the time you finish, you go home, you feel on fire. So, we're talking about this, this altar that, that Abraham built here in Hebron. It was for the founding of a new city. Do you know altars actually is the gatepiece to a city? I'm sure you've heard it that before Abuja was made, there were people who were bearing. Live cows at roundabouts. I'm sure you know that in Africa, before any city is founded, they bury human beings alive. You know that when an old king dies, before they bury him, they, they pour the blood of the poor, live human blood on the, on, the, on the dead body of the king. People who walk in traditional Africa see the power of altars. Only Christians act like, oh, I don't believe in nothing. Abraham, once he separated from Lot, he was, do you know how some people leave your business and they leave you in a bad way? There was just such a bad feeling, atmosphere around Abraham. Because Abraham and Lot, Abraham just saw his uncle's son, Lot, and just loved him and took him on the journey. It wasn't him who was called, But eventually, he was one who quarreled with Abraham. And Abraham said, okay, your men and my men cannot continue this fight. Choose where you like. Lot looked, saw the place which was green, and chose it. Read the whole story in Genesis chapter 13. Chose it and went, and that led him to where? Sodom. Those of you who know the story led him to Sodom. Was green. The pathway to Sodom is very green always. <laughs> very green. It looks always perfect. Sodom looks green. And Lot just, and Abraham just saw hard ground. And there was pain in his heart. You know how you some people do you dirty? <laughs> Business deal, the guys just do you in a bad way. Abraham was sore. In that place, God appeared to him and said, God said to him, I am your shield. And you're exceeding great reward. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Abraham, I'm going to be good to you. Abraham, I'm going to increase you. In fact, it was this time that God changed his name. I said, your name, your name will no more be Abraham, which is father. Your name will be Abraham, which is father of many nations. And God said to him, anyone who can count the number of the sons of the sea is the only one who can count the number of children you're going to have. Remember, this guy doesn't have one child yet. And God was telling him all these nice things. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to somebody here who God tells nice things? Just give you prophecy, oh my gosh, I, how I love you, how you are my child, how, how beautiful you are, the things coming out of your life are so awesome and wonderful. You're like, God, but this is my project now. See, it's not going anywhere. Like, Lord, come on, Lord. <laughs> but Abraham founded a future city. If you can go to First Chronicles chapter 11, can someone go to 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1 to 4? 1 Chronicles 11, 1 to 4, if you find it. Who can go there for us? Don't, don't leave this slide. Keep it on. I want someone to read it from their Bible. Who's good? Who's fast? Swordry, have you found it?
0: And Israel came together to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns, and the Lord your God said to you, "You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler." When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And the Lord had promised, as the Lord had promised through Samuel, for. David and all the Israelites marched to Jerusalem. That is Jebus. The Jebusites who lived there. Okay.
1: Thank you so much. Do you know that Abraham discovered Hebron where David became king? That's something many of you would not have connected. The old altar was where David became king. So, it wasn't just about now. Your altar is not just about today. It's you're creating something for the future. When you build an altar, you're founding a future city. If God wants to design something that is going to come in 50 years time, he will put the idea inside you. Can I give you another example of an altar? If you read Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. Can someone read it? I just want to take you on a quick story of Abraham's altar. Very quick. Genesis 12, 8. Have you found it?
0: Yes. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, where Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord.
1: Guess who found Bethel again? Abraham. And one night, Jacob was traveling through Bethel after quarreling with his brother. Once once again, there was a fight and there was just this disagreement. And Jacob just needed a sense of confirmation of who he was and what was going on in his life. And where does he fall asleep at night? Bethel! And then he woke up in the morning and what had happened in the night, he saw angels ascending and descending. He didn't know that already that place was an altar. There was already an open gate into the heavenlies. When you build an altar, an altar is like a gate into the heavenlies. And Jacob woke up and said, this is the house of God. And I didn't know it. And he put a stone there. As if it was him putting stone. He didn't know that he was just entering into the eternity of God. And the fathers before him had in that same place served the Lord. There are many altars in this land. There are many altars in Nigeria. All Israel made David king in Hebron. The altar which Abraham had built. All the people all the experience of Jacob changed in Bethel when he made, when he met with God a place where his father Abraham had already built an altar so you ask yourself what altar am I building think think about the atmosphere of what makes you want to kill your own son and how how that feels this is what building an altar like, was like. It's about giving everything you had to God. It's actually about pushing beyond what was comfortable for you. Every time you build an altar, it, won't be not, it will not be a comfortable place. Something will have to burn at that altar. And whether it was a goat or sheep, it was actually all about value once again it's about something you value you exchange something so you take something that's supposed to be food for you and you burn it up to the lord i can tell you it will not be comfortable it will not be comfortable and that is why many people cannot burn their lives up to god because it's not a comfortable place it's very difficult it's very difficult Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Let's talk about the altar of Samuel. Samuel built an altar in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Let's have someone read verse 5 to 13. 1 Samuel 7. Someone from this side. We can quickly open the scripture. 1 Samuel 7, 5. If you find it. Have you found it? Anyone?
0: Okay. And Samuel said, gather all to Israel in Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel and Mizpah, Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole bond offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer saying thus far the lord has helped us so the philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of israel and the hand of the lord was against the philistines all the days of samuel
1: all the days of samuel as long as samuel was alive that altar preserved the nation all the days of samuel the Philistines could do nothing. But where did he start from? They were, The Israelites had wandered away from God. They were doing their own stuff. But then it came a day of repentance and they all gathered together to the altar and said to Samuel, please lead us back to God. Lead us back to God. That's the job of a prophet. Lead us back to God. Prophets, turn the hearts of people back to God. In the time when the people had wandered away from God, people come to a prophet and say, lead us back to God. And guess what? I've had many people come to me. Like last week, someone came to me and said, like, my heart is dry. I haven't prayed for months. Lead me back to God. As we fell on our knees in my study, within 10 minutes, the atmosphere changed. The person started weeping. She said, I've never prayed. She broke out in song and began to speak in tongues. Our job is to unlock this. There is a place, there's a tap on the inside of you that's a God tap. And if you come pretending you will never find it, the day you are ready and you come, guess what? As we sit to God, the key in the spirit will turn and something on your inside will unlock. And that's what happened to these people. This book got out to Samuel and said, Samuel, pray for us. Pray for us. You know, you, but you hear pray for us a lot when you're going for vigil in the office. Your, your co-staff will say, hey, eh, pray for us. How many of you have heard that pray for us? Sure. I tell them, uh, my answer is no. Yeah, like you, you know prayer works, then come, let's go and pray now. You understand? There's a determination. There's a push. There's a willingness. There's an urge in your spirit that connects to God. And once that connection happens, all of a sudden things begin to move in the in the spirit the altar was the altar of redemption samuel's altar was the altar of salvation it was the altar of protection it was the altar of the defense of god and just when samuel had finished building the altar the Philistines saw the children of israel gathered because they didn't used to gather the Philistines will come here, they will run this way Philistines will come this way, all of a sudden they seem to be going somewhere together all of a sudden they seem to be assembling who gave them the right to assemble when we Philistines have not liberated them do you know sometimes when you are coming to God that's when it seems like the fire increases you are beginning to come back to God and it seems like trouble is increasing you are beginning to pray and it seems like the trouble is multiplying why is it that now I'm ready for God that everything is trying to go upside down? The Philistians gather. But when they gather the time of your rising, my goodness, what an awesome time for them to gather against you. Because the fire has already started on the inside of you. Because the birthing has already started on the inside of you. And you walk in the, in the spirit already. You woke up. That's what the altar is about. The altar is about the people who wake up in the spirit. When you wake, something happens powerfully to you. When you wake, all of a sudden, the Philistines will gather. You don't even have to say anything. The Lord thundered against the Philistines. The Lord thundered. I don't know what it was like. Like whatever thunder God was thundering, was not making the children of Israel afraid. It was making the Philistians afraid. And the children of Israel could defeat the Philistians. How this, God will use thunder to walk along with you to fight your enemies. How I many of you have heard that thunder go fire you? That we say. <laughs> the thunder that will fire you when well, you're still preparing. <laughs> We use it in the most rubbish way but in this particular case God literally sent thunder to fight with his man. And Samuel became so the people honored Samuel because he was a true man of God. He was full of the fire of God. Are you full of the fire of God? Are you genuine in your desire to know God? Are you totally ready? This is where revival starts from. I know we like to talk about churches and how they don't have revival power. I know churches criticize other churches and say this church is dry. I know, I know people actually criticize church and people think that church is dead and they are the new people. There are going to be meetings you're going to see online where people are saying, oh, let's talk about the death of church and let's talk about the new movement of God. That's not how God works. God works by altars. You Mr. New Guy, show me your altar. You fresh move of God person, show me the altar you are building. It's by altars. It's by sacrifice. It's by laying down your life that you begin to journey with God. And Samuel redeemed the whole nation by his sacrifice and by his altar the altar of Samuel, the altar of redeeming a lost nation and in verse 12 the bible says samuel set a stone between shen and misper and called the name of that place ebenezer saying thus far has the lord helped us do you know one thing you need to remember there are times when God moves in your lives. When God moves in your life, write it down. Ugo, that's a good testimony. Write it down. Do you know when the devil comes, God's what the devil does, he tells you God is not working in your life. He tells you nothing is happening. He tells you nothing is going on. He makes you forget everything God has done in your life. He makes you wander away. He reduces the work of God in your life and increases the problem of the moment. So write it down. Say to someone, write it down. When God moves in your life, write it down. When God moves in your circumstance, make a note of it. Write it down because the devil comes to make you forget. Forget the victories. How many of you, you never thought you would graduate. Wave your hand here. I didn't think I was going to graduate. I didn't know anything in school. I'm not one of those parents who used to say, I came first, I came first, you and my children. Fortunately, I got the progress report of my four daughters. In the whole progress, only one C from one person. And that person is the only one who had B as well. You can tell the one that was a player. All the other ones, straight A's, one B. Straight A's, one B. I'm like, wow. I hope they're not watching. (laughs) Amazing. Incredible. Can I tell you guys something? There is the grace of God that has moved in your life before. That old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Samuel took a stone and set it between Shane and Mizpah and said Ebenezer The meaning of Ebenezer means up to this point we have experienced the help of God Up to this mark God has helped us So far we've seen the move of God So far we've seen the favor of God Up to this point we have we can we can we can bear witness that God is working in our lives. Say amen. amen. Lift up your hands. And say, God is working in my life. Say, God, you're doing extraordinary things in my life. Say, I don't want to be grateful, I don't want to be ungrateful, Lord. I set a stone today for every time you've moved for every door you've opened, for every season you've brought upon me. I set a memorial today. I don't want to be ungrateful. Thank you for the door you opened. Thank you for the job you gave me. Thank you for the money I have. Thank you for the situation that you change around. Thank you for the new opportunity I have. Thank you for my new open door. Thank you. Thank you for protection. You saved me from accident. Thank you, Lord God. You delivered me from coronavirus. Thank you, Lord God. You saved me from disease and sickness. When men thought that that was the last they would hear from me. You saved me from grief. You saved me from pain. I just want to say thank you Lord. I just want to say thank you Lord. I set a stone of remembrance. I set a stone of memory. I build an altar of of recognition to the Lord who saved me. I will call upon God who delivered me from all my fears. I will call upon the Lord who Save me from all my pain thank you lord god i am grateful lord for your move in my life i'm grateful lord for my children i'm grateful lord for my home i'm grateful lord for my family for my wife i thank you oh god for the world that you that we live in i thank you for my family ecclesia hills I thank you for everyone in this church. I bless you for their lives. I thank you for the Spirit of God on their inside. I thank you for the love in their hearts. I do not take it for granted. I thank you for your goodness towards me, towards them, oh God. Thank you for your work and your protection over them. Thank you for keeping everyone in this family, oh God. Thank you for keeping everyone listening to this. you for your work in our world oh God we don't take you for granted oh God we set a stone we say Ebenezer the Lord has helped us the Lord has stayed with us the Lord has built us up Hallelujah Ebenezer Ebenezer the Lord is with us Ebenezer thus far you've worked in our lives Ebenezer, you've been so good to me. Ebenezer, thus far you helped us. Thus far you carried me. Carried me, carried me. Thank you, Lord God. And because of what God has done, we know that nothing God has done is as good as what's coming. Say amen. Amen. (laughs) Something better is coming something bigger is coming something brighter is coming a bigger space for you to occupy is coming a place of strength is coming because of what god has brought you through you can be confident that he's taking you somewhere he didn't bring you this far to just abandon you he's taking you on a journey of his goodness and his purpose amen so many times, the reason why we don't have altars is this counterfeits. I can tell you about four or five counterfeits. Do you know the things of God, we can actually fake them? We can fake the things of God. You can have confession without repentance. Have you ever met people who confess their sins to you? You know, I just... One someone, someone guy met me the other day and said to me like, Pastor Mo, my thing is Igbo. I like Igbo so much. thing is Igbo, I said so do you want to repent now? Do you want me to pray over you that the urge will leave? The guy said no Igbo used to make me feel good, make me feel high when I, when, I, when I smoke it I can walk into the night, into the morning <laughs> confession without repentance somebody once told me they slept with someone and I was so angry because it was my department years ago I think i told this story before in this church as my department so i was angry like this guy is poisoning the spiritual atmosphere in my department sorry i'm very raw with my messages many pastors would just be gentle but but i have to give it to you as it is so that whatever needs to be excavated in your own life you can see that it's not a big deal it's happened before i was angry with the guy and Then i said to him okay Because I thought he was telling me as the HOD so we can actually begin the journey back to God. I said, but I can't see any contrition in this thing you're doing. Do you feel bad about what you did? He said, "Um, actually, no. I actually quite enjoyed it. Like, if I have a chance, I'll do it again. So I said to him, you don't care that you're poisoning the atmosphere in this worship team. You don't care. He said to me, like, "Um, actually, I just only worried whether she gets pregnant because it was unprotected. Do you know today you're going to meet people who are going to say, this is my my favorite scene. This is my my thing. This is my ish. We're We're all broken differently. They say those things. And guess what? You cannot build an altar like that for you to build an altar, you have to let go. You have to let go. We baptize people as well. When I baptize you, I actually carry you through three or four classes. And what I'm looking for is a surrender to God. I've seen people who are baptized, who withdrew their surrender. And all of a sudden they're no more as open to God as they were. So they came forward and backslided. Baptism without full surrender. Communion without remembering the cross. Remember Jesus said, as often as you drink this cup, remember me. But we can have communion here. So people can turn it into wafers and wine. Without remembrance of the cross, communion is rubbish. Speaking in tongues without the power of what uses our speaking in tongues if we don't hit the power of God. Of what uses our coming to church and worship if we don't access something and unlock something. So when God says build an altar, he's actually saying all of these things. I will show you how to build an altar today. That will be the end result of this message. Let's talk about the altar of Solomon. Second Chronicles 8 chapter 12. Solomon built the most magnificent temple. And you know the story about the altar of gold that he built. And how the altar, he started pouring sacrifice on that altar. History says that he killed 144,000 cows and goats. And they said that any cow or goat that was clean in the whole of Israel. He found it and slaughtered it. And then God met him at night and said to him, you can't build this kind of altar and go to sleep. He opened the gates of prosperity. The Bible says in the days of Solomon, Solomon was the first person who started 24-hour business. Since the gates of Jerusalem were not closed there at night, They brought gold from afar. They brought wood from something. They brought diamonds. They brought different things all across the world. Global trade with Jerusalem because of Solomon. In the day of Solomon, gold was like metal. Everybody could have gold. This was thousands of years ago. Gold was so common. Why? Because he unlocked the treasury on the altar. What you love, you sacrifice for. The altar is birth in sacrifice. The altar is a place where you burn up something of value to yourself. The altar is a place where you sacrifice your pleasure for God. The altar is a place when you lay down your life for God to take up and use. Solomon had to sanctify the rest of the temple. I have to run the altar of Jesus. You know Jesus never built a physical altar. But we read in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. Let's read this together. Lift up your voice. One, two, go. Oh no, no, not that tone. Lift up your voice. But Christ, one, two, go. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of bulls and goats and cows, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So there was once a man who came and change the altar game before this time all of you wouldn't have needed to go home today to carry stones and fire wood and behave like abraham and take a physical goat but someone came and entered the holy place because the altar on earth is only a reflection of the altar in heaven there is a heavenly altar before the courts of god where human hands cannot reach There is a place of sacrifice in the presence of God. There's a place where blood is poured out in the presence of God. And without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So God came at a particular time to offer his blood. In the person of Jesus Christ, and when Jesus came, he entered the holy place once and for all. And he began to speak of the good things to come, he began to prophesy of the new things that are going to happen, he began to declare a new time, he began to change the times and seasons and say, Now is no more the time, you don't need a goat anymore oh you don't need a cow anymore you don't need turtle doves and pigeons anymore you don't need firewood anymore this is the time of new sacrifice i will enter in once and for all and i will pay with my blood with my blood i will wash you with my blood i will stand in the gap for you with my blood i will declare you a new person and i will uproot you from unrighteousness and plant you in my kingdom with my blood if you align with me i will wash you and make something new out of you i will make something fresh out of you today and i'm calling some people to my holy altar this morning Jesus is calling some people to a holy altar. (laughs) I just hear the call in the spirit to a different kind of altar. No more physical temple. No more just a normal temple. No more the temple made with human hands. No more the place where stones and firewood. No more the place where stench of men. No more the place where order of dead animals sit. No more the place where broken things come to hang out. No more the place where we have to use human blood physical blood to pay once and for all the freshest the best the most holy blood was Or poured out in the altar before the throne of God and in this altar we see how God broke the back of all religious observances all the things we needed to do before God will count us qualified those things have now been taken away and all of a sudden we enter into a new place of relationship and sonship and power and glory with God because of the altar in the heavenly places and there is a high priest who offered himself as a burnt offering for those who want God once and for all he entered into the holy place and now you're clean because Jesus paid the price on the altar say amen Amen. say amen lift up your hand and say I am clean because of the sacrifice of Jesus because he paid on the altar Because he paid on the altar. Now I'm clean. Now I'm made new. So if Jesus has finished paying the price, why do we need to build an altar? When Jesus died, he said, it's finished. That means observance, no more, nothing we have to do. Nothing we have to do. So, this is where the grace message crosses into a, into a rope or a suicide rope that people used to hang themselves. Because if Jesus finished it all, then what are we still doing? We don't need to do anything, right? Jesus is finished, now he has paid the price. So, what are we doing? Until you begin to read the Bible again and begin to see that we are saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. So now we have been saved, right? We have been saved means that you're giving your life to Christ, you are now a believer. You are being saved means now walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's like I gave you a car, but you have to drive it. And to drive it means you have to have fuel. The car business is done, but you have to now know how to service the car. You know how I said to some people, you give somebody a car and the car becomes a problem to them. Have you given somebody a car before and the car is a problem? You haven't seen somebody who got a big car and the car became a problem to them? Have a car. You can't buy fuel inside. I can't afford to service that car. The car is a problem to you automatically. All of a sudden, guess what will happen? You probably try to dilute shiol and kerosene one day.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> after, after three months of having a car, if you're not up to a car, the car will have you if you're wise, sell that car. Do you understand? Because for you to have a car, you must have three times, four times the amount of money the car costs for you to be able to maintain the car. Or you must have a source of having that money. Do you guys understand? Jesus gave us salvation, but many of us cannot walk in it. Say, now you've been saved. Walk therefore in the liberty that Christ has made you free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Which means that it's possible for you to actually go and take back the entanglement. How many of you know about entanglement? (laughs) Two months ago. Entanglement. Some of you don't know what we're talking about. Very innocent. Thank you. I will not explain any further. Can I tell you something? Revelation chapter 11, 10 or 11, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Number two, by the word of their testimony. And number three, they loved not their lives to the death. How we overcome, number one, is the blood of the lamb. What does that mean? The finished work of Christ. Number two is the word of our testimony. How did the finished work happen inside your life? How did you translate that finished work into your own life? Jesus says, according to the power that is at work in you. So whatever happens in the heavenly places must come to your own altar. So now we don't have the altar of human hands anymore. We have the altar now on your heart. Your heart is the new altar. Say, my heart is the new altar. Say it again. My heart is the new altar. So in the old times, people needed to carry this thing and go to a place. Now you, go, you do all that work in your heart. People need to sacrifice something in the old time. You do that sacrifice in your heart. People need to carry blues and goats. You do that bulls and goat now in your heart. People need to carry something of value. You carry that something of value now in your heart. Your heart has now become the new altar of God. You overcame him by the word of his testimony. What did God do in your life? So the altar is a place of testimony. What did God bring about in your life? What did God? How did you believe God and he walked with you? Do you know, like I said about testimony, so people will come to church and testify and say, oh, God loves me more than all of you. And everybody said, no, he's loved me more than you. Love me more than you? Love me more than you. People will be arguing about who God loves more. But that's not Testimony. Testimony is when you see the hand of God. It's to see the involvement of God. For people to say this could have only been God. That's actually why it's a testimony. That God is interested in your journey. That God is interested in what's unfolding in your life. That God is interested in what you are building. That's why it's a testimony. So you come to do God's will. You come to do God's plan. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 to 7. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. You don't want sacrifices and offerings anymore. So all of you, once somebody tells you, I'm taking you to a a man of God's place. And this man of God will pray for you. He can can pray for you all you need to do is bring coconut, white coconut, brown chicken. Once you hear substance, that's how you know it's not a man of God. Once you hear, you need candle, special scented candle. Just know it's not a man of God. And by the way, on Friday while we were praying, I put, I put scented candle on. But also, because Blessing has cooked soup and they are smelling the house, Sir, too much information, right? It's really... <laughs> Can I tell you guys something? All these tokens are no more needed. The day a man of God tells you, okay, bring comb to church, you bring comb to church. He says, Look, okay, all of you, comb your hair forward. As you're combing your hair forward, you are combing problems out of your life. Come problems, and some of you with weak will not be able to do it. <laughs> Come problem out of your life. Just know that you already left the faith. You are entering into occultism. Once you start hearing substances, just know that you left the faith. Oh, but you've come this far. This little thing, won't you do it? That's what uh, Naaman's little girl said to her. He said to him, Oh, the man of God says you're washing the Jordan River. No. That time, dispensation is gone. You don't need tokens anymore. Say, I don't need tokens sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you prepared for me and burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not delight so here is how the new century man builds an altar here i am as is written about me in the scroll i have come to do your will oh god that's how you build a new altar According to the volumes of the books written about me, I have come, O oh God. According to the prophetic word released over me, I have come, O oh God. According to all that God has spoken over me, I have come, O oh God. According to all that you wrote in your word, I have come, O oh God. Once you enter the holy place, that's your incantation. This is your new what? Oh man, you guys are not hearing me. This is your new what? the volumes of the books written about you in god's database there's your name in the in the purposes of god in heaven there is your name on it there's something god wrote about you and when you come to the altars of the heavenly places when you come to a new position one of the things i teach my children is that anything moves we pray you enter a new class we we'll pray i don't teach my children praying as punishment you know how parents say oh You light, go and pray. No. I teach them prayer as a door opener into every new season. So we make a big deal out of every time they come home after the term ends. We make a big deal after the time when they are going to leave for school. We make a big deal on somebody's birthday. I'm very bad with dates. It was for my children. I started remembering my own birthday. So, If you see me posting birthday, I saw it somewhere. (laughs) It didn't just occur to me by myself to remember anybody's birthday. I don't remember my own. (laughs) I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on Instagram. I saw your picture in somebody else's handle. I said, ah, yeah, Kumi's birthday today. Let's uh, 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 call Kumi's friend. Please send me his picture. I'll now post. I feel good. Like, (laughs) I don't remember. But we started making a big deal out of every what? Every special day. Make a big deal when when you enter a new job. Build an altar. When you're moving to a new country, build an altar. When you find a new house, build an altar. When you find a new place, build an altar. Everywhere you go, build an altar. And what's an altar you come and say, God, what's the journey in my life? What's the journey you want me to do? in this life. What's an altar today? An altar is your choices. An altar is... When things move in your life, what you do is the new altar. How do you build it? You build it by paying attention. If you ask what's important to me, I will ask you, show me your watch list, all the things you watch. Show me your playlist. Show me your Instagram search history. Show me the things you hype about. Don't say God is very important to me and he's not anywhere in these things. Because this is what you drink every day. Show me what your stories look like. Let me see your my activity chart on Google. Let me see your internet history. That's who you really are. (laughs) oh what you build what you describe the structures how you build your home how you build your relationships the power of God is not a power in the sky it comes down here in these things you find the power of God the power of God is not a spooky power in the air it comes down to what kind of friend are you What do you say to the people in your world? When people encounter you, what do they think about you? They think you're a fraud. That's how you build an altar to preserve the legacy of what God has written in the volumes of the books about you. So there are many Christians who can prophesy from now till tomorrow, but their character stinks like, I don't want to call the name of what it stinks like. Can I tell you guys something? God is calling us if you check your bank statement what you've been using your money for you tell what you are what altars you have your bank statement will tell us what altars you have are you rich towards God it will show are you rich towards God are you rich towards what you always rich towards what you like what you sacrifice this is the new altar the altar people are actually worshipping on the altar of self right now people are worshipping on the altar of entertainment not the altar of God. There is a new altar that you have to build. And this altar now is way more stringent than the altars of before. You know when you see Abraham trying to sacrifice Isaac, ah, agony. But your own altar is worse than his altar. The things you have to let go to look at this This season I've been seeing people like Padegbo just see that just seeing how he lives and hear his worldview. So, you see him wearing basic clothes and saying, I don't want to wear luxurious things to honor God. You see his wife wear a cap. And some of us may laugh, but they look at the corruption in the world and say they don't want to be a part of this. They are going to give their pleasure to God as an offering We may mock it and you don't have to do it their own way but you have to look for your own way what are you giving up on your altar they, don't, they won't have problem of, his, of internet history, I don't think so I don't think you have Instagram addiction problem that's not his problem so in his generation he did what his altar was Every generation has a different kind of sacrifice that they have to pay. In our generation, what's your altar? Your altar is the things that are valuable to you that you let go. People will be good Christians until it's time for them to entertain themselves. I remember a good friend of mine, we're praying, we're having a good spiritual program. And one day I called her. I said to her, Okay, it's time for us to pray. What are you doing right now? I said, Pastor Mo, it's Friday night. I'm doing what all young girls do my age. What, 20 something? We party. Let me party tonight, Pastor Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill me with prayer. <laughs> eventually what you put value in will come out build an altar this is where revival starts from you want revival, build an altar take something that's of value to you and put it on the cross fast devices take a fast, not of food because some of you don't have food problem you're even vegan you don't eat meat, anything, food. You actually use food as, it's not a big deal to you. But you know to, uh, to leave your phone. Fast devices. No phone will touch your eyes. No screen you will see with your eyes while you're fasting. Walk away from them. That is your new altar. Can you believe how simple it is? The things of God are not hard though. They're not hard. They're only hard. <laughs> when we've not made up our minds, walk away from that device. You say, okay, I'm doing marketing and business on it. Okay, don't do business today. Yeah. Offer today to the Lord as your what? sacrifice. Because after 30 minutes, you're not going to go to only business sites. All the things you don't want to see will come flood. One mention, one of your customers will just post something and say, oh yeah, check out this. Before you know, hyperlink. Before you know what's happening, you're on the cyberspace going from Italy to Spain to fast devices. You know why you need to Fast something is coming. Something huge is coming. Something massive is coming. An outpouring is coming. And God is looking for a people who will carry it. You know, we saw, I don't know, how many of you saw the olor of ori coronation? So, because the guy is my personal friend, right? We gist. So I go and sit in his house and gist. He has over 200 Edo Anishikiri history books. He reads them. He tells me the stories. All the movies he watches, Lord of the Rings, you know, Hobbit, massive movies, Empire. Those are the kind of movies he watches. Then uh, Paul... Paul the Apostle, all these kind of movies that talk about somebody traveling across countries and taking over a territory, crowns. These are the kind of things he watches on Netflix. He was already very prepared before kingship came. He was ready to the tea. He was already a king before kingship came. So when he stepped up, the people who abandoned his coronation ceremony are all coming afterwards. Come and they heard the rumor of how his speech blew everybody away. And he was so secure in himself, sat down on the day of his traditional occultic coronation and sang five praise and worship songs by himself. He was wilding, like absolutely crazy for Jesus. The atmosphere in that occultic room was tense with the anointing. Because there were two camps clearly in that place. The people wanted him to swear by the water goddess and the people of Jesus Christ. And once he lifted up, uh, lifted up the last song, what was the last song? Lord, have your way. I'm just a vessel, nothing more. Like I could feel Goosebumps. And when you're done, please take the glory. I'm satisfied just to see you glorify. Like, it was like, do you know, I, there's nothing to describe that atmosphere. I cannot tell you. Some of you should go and watch that video again. It still has that power. Are you ready for what's coming? Or are you playing marbles with God? Why God asks you to build an altar? is because there's more coming. You're looking at no current. Nothing you are doing right now compares the glory that's about to be revealed through your life. If you can just partner with the Spirit of God, if you can just live the ah! Do you know, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I hope you guys can get the idea of the fact that what God is offering you is bigger than what you're holding. What God is calling you to, is he bigger than what you are holding? And uh, sometimes I see some of you here in five years time, where you'll be so far, controlling corporations, building institutions, raising towers and minarets in the earth, holding states. Some of you here may be governors. I don't put it far from you to be, to see a Lagos state governor. You know, you say among us, these 15 people, yes, right here. I you know that God has called me to raise leaders. I know that when you're done from here, when you go, something will happen in your heart and in your spirit. I know something will shift. Everybody will gather to you later. By that time, I will take a retreat. The job is done. I don't need to be calling him now anymore. The job is what? Done. He's just still warfare. Yes. Does he know how to fight now? He knows how to fight. He came through warfare to get here. Can I tell you guys something? God is building you for something. Say, God is building me for something. Say, I have come. Say it. I have come according to the volumes of the books written about me to do your will, oh God. I will do great things according to your will. But Lord, I yield myself. I yield myself to learn of you. I I break the walls of people's ideas, I break the walls of what people think about me, I break down those walls, as I align to heaven, I align to heaven, I align to heaven, I build a new altar, this is not the altar of stones, this is not the altar of wood. This is not the altar of goats and pigeons. This is the altar of my life before God. I will live before you. Every door you open to me is a new opportunity for me to offer myself. I offer you my money. I offer you my life. I offer you my everything. I stop making excuses. I stop blaming other people. I stop saying this person is not good enough. What is that person doing with this? I stop making excuses. I offer my life to you lord i'm jumping forward say it. lord i'm jumping forward lord i'm jumping forward into your call for my life lord i'm moving into the things you've written about me lord i'm yielding myself it's no more about what people are doing or saying oh god today i yield myself today i release myself today today oh god release upon me your grace oh God I yield myself to you oh the outpouring is coming revival is coming revival is coming you know last night one minute last night God began to show me a lot of young people who were denouncing porn Standing up and say, We won't do pornography anymore. A lot of young people. I just saw it, like a river of young people, like millions of young people pushing back and say, No more pornography in our lives. I saw some people preaching in public squares again. I saw people standing up and preaching the gospel in public places. I see people entering a bank and declaring the glory of God. I see people with new words. I see healing for mental health and depression. I saw believers setting people free. I saw people releasing people from mental bondage I saw young men and young women losing the ropes losing the ropes do you know three days ago was suicide prevention day suicides kill more people every year than HIV AIDS suicide kills more people every year than coronavirus suicide kills a lot a lot of young people 14 years old begin to have deep darkness old people begin to have depression when your altar is built you will be a healer say amen you will be a healer i see you laying hands on people who medicine cannot help i see you restoring broken people by the finger of god i see you losing the ropes in the mind of people i see you unlocking by the spirit of god i saw people doing real miracles healing the sick, extending legs, opening blind eyes, rebuilding the broken. I saw a harvest. I saw young people running towards the will of God. But it all starts from your altar. It all starts from what you build. Today is a day of building. Today is a day of building. Today is a day of building. I tell you two stories and I'll round up. One, please sit down for a minute. T.L. Osborne was 19 years old when he felt like All the people in India don't know the gospel. In America we are blessed. So he went went from America to India as a missionary. He said in that one year was the most miserable one year of his life. He saw broken people, he could do nothing for them. He saw hurting people, he could do nothing for them. He saw injured people, he could do nothing for them. There was no power. There was no power. He had no power. He had no power. So... After one year being a missionary, he packed it up and went back to, to, to the U.S. I think it was a little over 20 by this time. When he got back to the U.S., he thought, ah, I heard Smith Wigglesworth is a man of, who does miracles. So I will certainly go to Smith Wigglesworth's meeting to go and meet him. That year, Smith Wigglesworth died. I think the second person was uh, Ma- Margaret Woodward Margaret Woodward Etta. The same year, he was going to go and meet her. He had a revival meeting coming up. He was going to go and meet her so he can learn about how to walk miracles. The woman also died. He said there's another guy who he knew in his town. I can't remember the name of the guy, the third guy. I can't remember the name of the third guy at all. But that guy also died. Say three people back to back. He was hoping that when he meets these people, he will what? Unlock the miraculous and get the key about how to heal the sick, how to walk miracles in his life. That's what he thought. Three of them died. But Assemblies of God, he said in uh, Missouri, Assemblies of God in Missouri, where he was, had a crusade. So the, the woman who died had a replacement woman to come and preach in her place. I should have actually done more research. I can remember the names of these people. But go and listen to the testimony of of uh, TLS Bond on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see this story there on YouTube. TLS Bond, the outpouring. Now, he said, that woman, unknown, unknown, nobody knows her name. He had never heard of her before. And the woman came into the room, and the woman said, the real reason why we're not working miracles is because we've never met Jesus. You need only one meeting with Jesus Christ. See that that night, that's all she hear. Remember the woman saying, "You need only one meeting with Jesus Christ. You've met men of God, but you haven't met Jesus. The day you meet Jesus Christ, only once, <laughs> will be enough." <laughs> Say they went home crying that night. said that they were, they were just tearing. They just barely managed to get home through the tears, both him and his friend who went to that meeting, and they went on their knees as they were praying. So that night, they didn't sleep. They didn't eat. They were just praying. They prayed all night. I can't imagine what their prayer was like. We've learnt of your glory, but we don't have it, O oh God. We hear your power, but it's not in our lives, O oh God. We see you move across the earth, but we don't have any of it. We don't know you. We go to church, but we really don't know you, Lord. He said they prayed all night. They they didn't sleep. They prayed all night. Then, he says at 6 a.m., Jesus walked into their room. That Jesus walked into their room. Both him and his friend, they saw him. They saw him. He says he was slain in the spirit for another seven hours after that. He didn't know what he was, whether he was sleeping or awake or singing or dancing. He doesn't know what he was doing for seven hours. But the, the only thing is he woke up after seven hours after the encounter with Jesus. says, since that day, he's, there's not a meeting that he goes to that miracles don't flow out. One meeting is what you need. And we shouldn't all pursue that encounter because it's not going to be like that for everyone. Jesus may not come into your room, but there's something of Jesus you can know. So that's why I want to tell you a second story. A friend of mine got hired by the presidency to go and work under this current administration. She's still there, by the way. (laughs) Yes, I know somebody in the the presidential team. Yes, I do. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said to me, tell her to build an altar. and let her tell me what she's going to offer to me as she's going to that place. And I will give her what she asks me. So she said to me, that exactly goes with the leading she had in her spirit. So she took three days to fast and pray in preparation for this new job she was going into. And what she did was to tell God my words will never fall to the ground if I give them advice and they don't take it, it will bite them and they will come back and beg me and during answer, she was there, she told them what to do they refused, it backfired against them she kept telling them what to do, after a while they now started coming to her and asking her what should we do what was her covenant I will never compromise with money In this role. What was our covenant? I will dedicate this tool unto God. I will be the voice of righteousness. So God backed up that word. With power. You don't have to see Jesus Christ. Before you can have power. You can enter into a place. Of laying down something valuable for yourself. And you can activate and unlock the power of god there's something bigger in god than just prophesying over people there's something about you and god coming into something together that's the altar and today is just the perfect day for you to desire an altar Today is just the perfect day for you to build yourself an altar. Let us pray.
0: Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at at elo.ecclesiahills.org.